Hi and assalamu alaikum. My name is Raqiya Bait and welcome to season 2 episode 8 of Breaking Barriers. Today we will be talking about growing up Muslim with Tasneem Daud. Assalamu alaikum. I'm Tasneem Daud. I'm 18 years old and I'm from England, so I guess I'm going to be telling you about the British point of view of growing up Muslim. Yes, and she's also my cousin. Yeah, I'm also her cousin. I forgot that part. That's the most interesting part. <laughs> yeah. We grew up on two different sides of the world. We've never met each other once. Yeah. It's crazy though. It is absolutely crazy because I feel like I feel like I know you but I feel like we're close but even though I've never met you. Yeah, me I'm, too honestly. I'm definitely closer with you than my other cousin. Even though she's just down the road from me. <laughs> I think you're my cousin's closest to my age that I'm closest with. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah, no, it made sense. I've only got two girl cousins though, so I really appreciate you. Really? Yeah. I really have any girl cousins too. I have more boys than girls in like both sides of my family. Boys more than girls. Mm. Yeah, we've got three boy cousins on my mum's side, and there's all of your brothers. You've got like a hundred brothers. No, you don't have like five, right? Four. Four, yeah. Yeah, for me, I have like I think I don't even I'm not counting, but I'm just estimating in my mind like twenty guy cousins on my um on my dad's side, and then wow. on um our side, which is my mom's side, um I have how many do I have? Your brothers, and then yeah. two, three, two others. Two, I want to say two or three others. <laughs> <laughs> I've got um four brothers. Four brother. You yeah. have four brothers and I have like two or three others, I think. Yeah. Other than so like um six or seven. <laughs> I don't know exactly. I don't even know. No like I don't around know six or anyone seven. Anyone from my dad's side of the family really. Except, Except for me. Except for me. Yeah. You're the only one on it from my dad's side of the family. I'm special. Yeah, you are. You're really special. Thank you. You're really special. You're literally one of my only cousins that are around my age that I'm like close with actually. That's really nice that I made it. Yeah. <laughs> you and your sister. Both. Of yeah. Of course. My sister. I adore my sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I love her too. She's so sweet. They really are. You don't have any sisters. That's so sad. I actually feel sorry for you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, you have an older sister, actually. Yeah, I have an older sister. Yeah. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, I actually okay. got a question for you. Yes, what's the question? Okay, so since you moved to America, are the majority of your friends Muslim or non-Muslim? Oh. Actually, I was born in New York and then I moved to Guyana. For like oh, a couple really? Of yeah, I was like, you never knew that. No, I thought you were born in Guyana and you moved to New York. So actually, two of us were born in Guyana. None of the being me. My oldest brother and my youngest brother were born in Guyana, because my oh. oldest brother was born before, like my mom moved to New York, and then my youngest brother was born when we had moved back 
itu kayak no. Oh, I thought everyone born after he was born in New York. Oh, really? Yeah. It's the we three know in the middle. About each other. I know we need, to, we need to know more. So yeah, I was born in New York, and then we moved like after like, well, we used to always go visit Guyana like a lot when like I was growing up, you know. And then when I was like four, we actually moved there permanently for like a little while, and then we moved to Michigan. And uh, since Michigan has like a big Muslim population, there's a lot of Muslims here, so most of my friends are actually Muslim. Because there's such oh, okay. a huge, it has one of the biggest Muslim populations in America, especially in like the metro area, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so most of my friends are Muslim, and like my main friend group. Well, not my main friend group. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But like the, my friends that I'm like really, really close with, and that they're all Muslim, and most of them have been on this podcast too. <laughs> So it's like a rarity for you to have non-Muslim friends. Yeah, it's rare. What about you? Um, I feel like growing up, I mostly went to Muslim schools. Um, and how did my parents um tried the hardest for us to go to good Muslim schools growing up? And I feel like that was a good thing because I always had um somewhat good influences around me because obviously not all Muslim kids are good influences. Well, I had somewhat good influences around me because of that, and I never really made many non-Muslim friends. I had like one or two like neighborhood friends that were non-Muslim, because my neighborhood was quite it was quite diverse. You had a lot of Muslims, Hindus, Christians. Like it wasn't just a majority of one religion. Yeah. And um, yeah, when I moved to Saudi Arabia. That's something I've mentioned. I lived in Saudi Arabia. Podcast people. <laughs> um, yeah, when I moved to Saudi Arabia, it was the exact same thing. I had no non-Muslim friends in Saudi Arabia. I think. Um, when I moved back to England, I ended up making a lot more non-Muslim friends because I'm just just people I meet every now and then. But still, the majority I would say are Muslim because I just. Feel more comfortable around Muslims, so I make a more of an effort to become friends with Muslims than I do yeah, with non-Muslims. I feel like they also remind you, like, you know, like if you're doing wrong, they'll correct you, and then if it's time to pray, they'll remind you. It's time for salah. You have to, you have to go. You have to hurry up. Come on. Yes. Alhamdulillah. I, I feel like I'm good at making friends. Because my non-Muslim friends, even them, they'd be like, "Oh, did you check if that's halal and stuff like that?" Really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. That's so sweet, like that. Like, um, I was my friend invited me for a sleepover at her house, and she was like, "Oh, and by the way, don't worry. I made sure my mum got all of our chicken from the halal butchers." I was like, "Oh my god, I love you." Oh, um, I love that. But yeah, um, what is it? <laughs> Wait, I forgot what I was gonna say now. <laughs> Like yeah, um, but even so, I do prefer to have Muslim friends because just like things that they won't influence you with, there's always them you feeling out of place. So, for example, your friend wants to go do something, but you can't go do that with her, and even if she doesn't invite you, because
Oh yeah, so maybe they won't invite you to do something because they know that it's haram or you won't be allowed, but you still like feel bad about it or you feel left out and stuff like that. And then just to get that feeling away by being surrounded by people who also don't do those kind of things, I feel like it's better because when you feel left out, you're going to want to do things that you shouldn't be doing so you don't feel that feeling anymore. Yeah. And I feel like it's because of that that I surround myself with Muslims more often because it's just better for you in that sense so you don't want to do bad things because no one else is doing the bad things. Yeah, exactly. Me too, I feel like. And then also, I think sometimes, some for me, some of my friends who are Muslim, like they would do some things, but like I, those things, like if I correct them on it, they'll be like, oh, I don't think like it's haram for you, but it's not haram for me. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> then, that doesn't make sense. It, you it doesn't the make religion. sense to me, but like, you know, it gets really awkward. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then that's why I feel like I'm very selective with the people I hang out with and do things with, you know? Yeah, I agree. Because um, a lot of people, they have different ideas of what Islam is and what Islam allows. And you need to be with the people who have the same ideas as you. Because a lot of the time, if you don't agree with the idea, they're going to try and convince you to agree. And to yeah. believe that something that is haram is halal, even when it's not. Yeah. Have you ever been like put in a situation where someone wants you to do something that's haram? Yes, actually. <laughs> um, very recently, I actually, I'm not gonna like go into detail about the situation, but like, I just, it wasn't for me. I don't know how to explain, but like, I just, you know, when you know something's wrong, so you're like, yeah, I can't really. You just get that day in this situation, you know. Yeah. You just have to like remove yourself. That's what it was like for me. Have you, though? Um, yeah, I have quite a few times. But, you know, we move. We, we're good. Um, I'm good with, like, judging people. Not in a bad way. I don't mean, like, being mean and judging people. I'm good at, like, seeing people who, like... That's yeah, weird. I can pretty much tell when someone is being honest or not. And I feel like that has really helped me with a lot of situations because I I can always tell when I need to get out of a situation or if something's going to go bad quite a while before it does go bad. I've got a question for you though. Um, do you go to a Muslim school? I actually don't go to a Muslim. It's not Muslim school, but most of the people who go there are Muslim. If that makes oh, sense. okay. Yeah, that does make sense. But I did go to a Muslim school, like, when I was younger, when I was from ages, from preschool to second grade, I went to a Muslim school for, like, four years, basically. Oh, and okay. then when I moved to Michigan, that was in Guyana, East Islamic School was the name of the school. And then now oh. I'm in Michigan, I go to a different school. Um, I have been going there since third grade. 
it's not a Muslim school, but the majority of the people is Muslim. They they do let us like pray and stuff like that, which like I'm it's a chartered school. But like what does a chartered school mean? Sorry, oh, I chartered I sound like American stuff. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so you know there's like public private and then there's so for us it's public private charter. Public mm-hmm. schools are, you know, like government schools, I guess anyone can go. Yeah. And then private schools are, you know, privately owned, all you have to pay to go. And then chartered schools are more like they're partially funded by the government, partially funded by like um private organizations, businesses, um, those stuff. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. Yeah, that does make sense. So it's, yeah, it's not like a full government school technically. Yeah. Yeah. So the I go to a charter school and they do allow us to pray and all that stuff. Most people are Muslim there. They're it's good. It's not like it's not like the best school in the world, but it's not like a horrible, horrible school. It's good. <laughs> it's the best description I can give you. That's but cool. right, but like the only reason we don't go to Muslim school is like Islamic schools because, like, especially when you have like a lot of kids, it's hard. It's like a lot of money to pay to go to Islamic school. You know? Yeah, it is. It's so expensive. Yeah. So that's really the only reason. Yeah, I went to and... a private um, Muslim school when I was younger. And like the school fees, like hearing my my niece and nephew go to that same school now, and like hearing my sister talk about the school fees, I'm just like, bro, how did my parents like manage sending four kids to that school? Like, it makes no sense, cause yeah, it's like so expensive for no reason. Like you're teaching us them, they the prices a bit, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then I have a question for you. What? When did you start wearing hijab? What's your hijab story? All of that. My hijab story. Um, I started wearing hijab since I was like basically four, and my mom would put it on every now and then, but I didn't strictly wear it till I was about eleven, and then even then it was like a oh my gosh yay I'm so happy thing, because my mom let me wear it, growing up from like a very little kid it was seen as a really amazing thing. It was like one of those things that I got to wear, that I got to wear, that I got to wear um, mm-hmm. on Eid and stuff like that. So it was like a celebration thing, you know? Yeah. And it made me so happy that I got to wear it all the time. And then I went to public school and I feel like that's the first time that I ever felt out of place being Muslim yeah I had like a teacher who used to be like oh are you hot why didn't you just take it off and I used to be like I don't you say take it off yeah like you know grown man telling a kid what they can and can't wear it was so ridiculous especially since it wasn't against school uniform or anything yeah um my mum like made my school uniform herself because she didn't like that the skirts were too short or that the trousers were a bit too tight so she tailored me like a skirt and stuff like that. Like my mom's great for doing stuff like that for me as a kid. But um, 
it looked different from everyone else's school uniform and I remember this one boy in my class he made fun of me saying that I ruined the class photo because my uniform was different from everyone else's and it made me like so upset I remember like I was thinking about it for weeks and it made me just realize how different I was from everyone else and it made me like want to like listen to a teacher and listen to other kids in my class and just wear the same uniform as everyone else and take off my scarf and like it went from being such an amazing thing to being something that I didn't want and I didn't like anymore and I feel like that didn't really change till I went to when I went to Saudi Arabia and I was surrounded by Muslims again and then I felt comfortable wearing hijab and stuff like that. See, I had a similar experience to that when I was like, when I first started wearing abaya, like, like a lot. I don't know if that makes sense. But like, I would wear abayas and then sometimes I'd wear skirts like that. Because, like, up until I think seventh grade, like eighth grade, when I started wearing like full abaya, all that. Yeah. And I used to always wear pants all the time. So everyone's like, they used to see me in pants and then I started wearing abaya and everyone was like, and most of these people are Muslim, so everyone's like, oh, where did her legs go? Um, why do you always wear that all the time? Everyone's always asking all these questions about it. And I was like, I thought I wasn't like, I didn't, I felt like I didn't fit in with everyone else. Because everyone else was wearing pants and they were in overalls. I really liked, I really liked overalls. I really wanted overalls. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about that that I just, I just really liked. And then everyone's wearing all this stuff and like, eighth grade and I was like I'm the only one wearing an abaya and I felt so out of place and then this other girl she started wearing her abaya a lot too and I was like you know what I I like that you're wearing it too you know we're alike and then seeing her wear it so much like inspired me to wear it more you know and be like proud of it oh that's so nice I mean, if she's listening, she'll know who she is. <laughs> I don't want to say her name because <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to, but she knows who she is. Yeah, Laura Water. I mean, and then what about Ramadan? Like, that's my favorite time of the year. When did you start fasting? What was that like, you know? I feel like that is, again, very similar story to my hijab story. I started fasting from when I was really little, probably like about seven years old. We used to, even younger than that, but I think I did my first ever proper full day of fast when I was seven. And really? I, I did my first ever Ramadan when I was about nine. But um, yeah, before that, we used to do like, these water fasts where I would fast but we'd be allowed to drink water and Uh when I was even younger than like maybe like about four I used to want to join in so my mum would let me do half day fasts I just would eat breakfast and then I wouldn't eat till my grip like I'd eat at breakfast time so usually about like 8 9 a.m then I wouldn't Mm. eat till around like 5 (laughs) p.m I used to do that too when I was eight. I started fasting like for not eight, seven actually, just like you, seven. Yeah. I started fasting like full days here and there. And then 
when I was nine was actually when I did my first full Ramadan. I feel like that's a good age. That's a good age to do the full thing. I think my brother did it the youngest. He did really? it at, um, when he was eight or seven. He did the full Ramadan and everyone was so shocked. Oh, wow. Mashallah. He was so excited about it. I don't know who did it the youngest, actually. I'm trying to think. I want to say... Hmm, I'm actually trying to... I think my oldest brother, maybe he did it the youngest. Maybe he did oh, it. I think he did it at eight. I think he did that eight. The rest of us, we did at like nine, ten. That's great. I feel like we still, like, he still has bragging rights over that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, again, that same teacher, the one who told me that I can take off my hijab if I'm hot, he also told me, asked me if I wanted to drink some water um, during Ramadan once. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And at first, as a little kid, I made excuses for him. But now, when I think about it, when, uh, when I'm older, I start to notice that he had no right to do that. Like, yeah, it's like a pattern really with concerned, him. You should have called my mum if you're really concerned. You shouldn't try to convince a child to do something to um, do something she's determined against doing like that's so wrong as an adult and then comparing it to a different situation I was in I went to a it's like this children's play park was monitored by adults right and I went there with my cousin during Ramadan my cousin's not Muslim by the way no mm-hmm. one on my mom's side of the family is so she wasn't fasting she already gets to go there so I felt bad not going with her because her mum wouldn't have let her go if I didn't go so I went with her and it was extremely hot it was the middle of summer I was like dying and one of the workers he came and he was like are you doing okay do you need me to call your mum and I was like no I'm fine it's just I'm fasting so I'm a bit like I don't want to play I just want to sit down I only came because my cousin really wanted to and he likes like like, I think you're doing great, you can do it, don't worry, if you come to me, I'll call your mum for you, I'll get to pick you up if you feel bad, but you can do it, I'm so proud of you, I would never Aww. be able to do that. And then I realised, and just comparing the two situations, I had a teacher who told me I should break my fast, I shouldn't be doing this to myself, I don't have to do this if I don't want to, as if I'm being forced to. And then I had a man who told me that he's so proud of me for doing something I really wanted to do. And it's just like, it really shows how different people can impact you. And teachers, they just need to learn how to learn to accept different people and different religions. Because even if you want to say, oh, I accept people, you know, you yeah. need to prove that at some point because my teacher really didn't prove it to me at that point made me so insecure I went home and I cried to my mom and I begged her to let me break my fast and my mom was like no because you're not fasting for me and you're not fasting for your teacher you're fasting for Allah and I was like oh yeah you're right and then I just went to sleep and I woke up at Maghrib time (laughs) I don't even think I woke up at Maghrib I woke up at Isha and then I ate See, I had a, well, I didn't have a teacher. I have a teacher. Well, he didn't say it to me personally, but he was my teacher. Had a teacher similar to that. He told us one girl in my class, 
that he like made a circle around her head with his finger and he was like do you guys always have to wear that around your head oh my god and then no. we all looked at him like hey what did he just say did he just ask us do we all have to wear that or whatever because the majority of us are muslim in the class or we know what islam is yeah. so the fact that he said that in a class where almost the majority of students are muslim i think only one student or two students not muslim in the class i was shocked that is very shocking I was actually quite concerning that he had even think to say something like that. Like, yeah, what is it? What is the barrier? Exactly. It was crazy. I've never, I was never expecting that. And that happened recently, like very recently. What? Oh, wow. But my favorite part. People concerned saying something like that to someone older than if it was more recent. Yeah. And then also my favorite thing about Ramadan is just, I don't know, fasting in general. Like, also in Ramadan, I feel like everyone's trying to do their best. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so proud of everyone. <laughs> like, it's weird, but like, I feel so proud of everyone because everyone's trying to do their best, trying to fast, trying to meet the most, trying to read the most Quran, trying to like do so much good and stuff like that. And I'm just like rooting for everyone. I'm so happy when I see that because it's like, yeah maybe throughout the year they're not doing the best or they're not doing all these good deeds but like as Ramadan comes around everyone they're posting hadiths they're posting reminders they're trying everyone's trying to do their best and they're constantly like surrounded by Islam even like so much so that restaurants and stuff like that have like um what is it called like Ramadan Mubarak posters and stuff like that. Yeah, and they have like, um, what's it? What is the thing called? Like dinner. Um, they have like, not dinner sales, but like half price for dinner or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, we get that in England too, like in the supermarkets. Yeah, and I find that so just like nice. Like they all are like respecting the religion. And it's, like, not something no one else knows about. Everyone knows about it. And then there's so much reminders and so much good around you, you know? And then I especially love Eid. Eid, best, the best time of the year for me. What's your favorite Eid memory? My favorite Eid memory? Honestly, do I have one? All the Eids are like a blur to me, to be honest. I don't think I have a favorite memory. What would you? What would your favorite memory be? Maybe I'll think of one after you say yours. I'm not. Try- I'm actually trying to think too. Like, I don't know. But for me, like, the thing that we always do is like the last day of Ramadan, the night of Eid, technically, because you know how like the day starts in the night. Yeah. Yeah. So the last day of Ramadan, the night of Eid. We give each other gifts and stuff. We open our gifts and all that stuff. And then the next day, we all get ready. We go to the masjid in the morning. After you go to... Well, Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Tahr are, like, different. But, like, on Eid al-Fitr, we um, get ready. We go to the masjid. 
I'm always ironing clothes every morning for some reason. Like, <laughs> I tell them, iron your clothes in the night. If you want me to iron your clothes, tell me to do it in the night. But I know something is not registering. So I always have to, I have my clothes ironed. My mom has her clothes ironed. My brothers, they don't have their clothes ironed. And I always rushing, rushing, rushing in the morning. It's always the it. brothers. <laughs> it's always them. So then when I finish rushing to ironing their clothes, we all get dressed. And I always get dressed late because I take my time to finish helping them before I can even go get dressed. So I get dressed. Do everything I need to do. And then we're all rushing, rushing, rushing. And we try to take pictures before. Because, you know, like, the sun is, like, just starting to rise and all this stuff. And the lighting is really good. So we try to take pictures before we go. Yeah. And then sometimes they come out good. Sometimes they come out bad. That's the best I could say. And after we take pictures, we go to measure, we pray. And then, like, in Mich- I feel like New York, Michigan, and in Guyana, it was, like, at this part, it was, like, different. After we pray in Michigan, we would pray in the park. And then after we prayed in the park, we'd, like, stay there until, like, around 12, 1, with our friends, like, doing stuff, whatever, taking pictures talking to them you know socializing all of that and then afterwards a lot of the times we'd go back home I always loved taking naps on Eid like I would take the longest nap on Eid if you don't take a nap is it really Eid yeah exactly (laughs) and oh yeah I forgot when we go to the mansion we get when we go to like the park and everything they give us money (laughs) I forgot you still get money we still I stopped getting money when I was like 10 i still get money <laughs> lucky you they should give older people money like kids don't need money i know but you know if i don't get money i just take my brother's money <laughs> <laughs> so but i don't i don't think i got money this eid though i didn't get none this eid so but the other eids i did so then after that we do all of that then we come home sleep I take my long nice nap and then we'll go to my aunt's house and we'll do something with her and our cousins and all of that and we have a good time it's like a good day I don't know it's like positive vibes all that stuff it's a good day and then we go back home like really late in the night like 11 in the night if we go back home and then or she will come here until 11 in the night and then she'll go back home with her kids Either way, it's one of the two houses we go to. Her house or my house. I love that. And then the next day, which is the thing we've been, like, doing a lot um, since I've been in Michigan, we go to this theme park. And we go there for the whole entire day. Unlike the next day. And it's so much fun. And I, when I get home, it's, like, around Maghrim time. And then I'm so tired. But, like, the day is so much fun. And then in Guyana, what we used to do, all that beginning stuff, you know, gift exchange, the night, um, get ready in the morning, iron coals, all of that. But then after we go to the masjid, we'd stay at like the masjid for like almost the whole entire, no, not almost the whole entire day. We stayed at the masjid for a little while. Then we go home and then we used to have these big Eid parties. They were so much fun. Basically the, like, 
the whole entire community would come to our house. People would be uh-huh. stopping in our house at like two in the morning. I love like, that. And then literally, you know Domino's the game? Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dad Domino's. and all of his friends and sometimes their older sons, they'd be knocking Domino's on that table late at night in yes. the morning time. You'd still hear it. The banging. That's, so fun. That's such a great memory for me because my granddad was obsessed with Domino's. Absolutely obsessed with Domino's. My grandma would throw these like little garden parties that would end at like 2am because the uncles would be on outside banging the Domino's on the table. <laughs> So late, and everyone would be like, come on, finish the game, want to go home. And they're like, no, we must win this round. He loved it so much. He gave it to my mum when he passed away. That's how much he loved mm-hmm. it. It was her present. Oh, that's so sweet. Literally, this summer, um, I went to New York and I saw my family and everything there. And then they came to Michigan, like half the, like, like, the beginning of the summer we went to New York we saw them then the end of the summer they came here see us and best the best memory I had which reminded me so much of those Eids are when we were playing dominoes and like <laughs> literally I've never when I play dominoes like with my friends and stuff like that they don't play dominoes like a Guyanese would play dominoes like, they don't yeah, play dominoes like a Caribbean person would play dominoes they they don't play it right. <laughs> if you're not Caribbean, you can't play dominoes. You don't get into it like we do. Yes, you have There's to no hit fire. the dominoes on the table. You have to, like, talk smack. You have to really, like, get into it. <laughs> I love dominoes so much. Me too. We should have a dominoes competition. That should be the first thing we do. Yes, first thing we do when you come visit me or when <laughs> I come visit you, the first thing we need to do take out the dominoes <laughs> yeah and then for new york my eads in new york were like the same beginning all the same beginning i've been ironing clothes since i was like three <laughs> oh the same beginning and then we would go to like the park oh this i forgot what the name i i want to say prospect park but i'm not sure i think it was prospect park but this park in new york we would go to all the time after eid and then, like, after eat a lot and everything, we go to this park. And we just, like, relax there, like, all day. It was so much fun. Like, I remember one time I picked a flower and I gave it to my dad. And I was like, this is Eid gift. Oh, I, I have the picture still of that moment. When I was, like, three years old, I think that was. That was so cute. Those best memories. Like, everyone, because, like, most of my family on my dad's side live in New York. So, it's, like, all of us were together for Eid in New York. My aunt, all, like, most of my aunts, my uncle, my grandma, my grandpa, we were all together for Eid. It was the best time. Aww. I love that fully. So, what are your Eid memories? Oh, my Eid memories... When I lived in England, um, for Eid, we'd usually go to Eid in the park. And um, it was usually a park quite far away. So it meant waking up at the crack of dawn, staying awake after Fajr, ironing clothes, my mum shouting at all of us because we've lost our clothes or we're taking too long to get ready or we haven't showered yet. Um, my dad freaking out, trying to cook us pork. 
because you should eat before you leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the car, and you're um, like going Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Oh, yes. That was my I favorite just... bit. That was fine too. I forgot all about that part. It's the bit that makes Eid. Like, if we don't do that on Eid, it's not Eid. Like, it's the best bit. Um, all the way there. And because it was long car rides, we'd be doing it for ages. Our voice would be hurting by the end. But it was fun, so we don't care. <laughs> and then we'd get there, and we'd usually pray. Maybe I'd see my, fr- I'd see my friends, maybe I wouldn't. It depends on what masjid we went and prayed with, because yeah. sometimes we just go with the closest masjid. Sometimes we go with the masjid that we know the most people. Yeah. Um, I dropped my phone. Um, and then we'd come home. We would make eat breakfast. We usually have croissants and like, um, just like a bunch of random foods. We eat kind of food from like every culture. We don't. This really is have. so random, but I like the way you. Say- you guys say it more french like i think we say it wrong croissant yeah but yeah we just eat a bunch of random foods um then we just sit down in the house and we sleep or we do nothing. The Eid now. And we just chill throughout the rest of the day. We don't really do much on the first day of Eid. Usually it's the second day of Eid. People come around to the house or we go to someone else's house. Um, we party, we eat a whole bunch of junk food and stuff like that. But the first day of Eid is just relaxing with the family. We usually watch a movie play some games stuff like that we have a rule and eat actually it doesn't matter now because we're old our parents don't care when we go to bed but as kids our parents weren't allowed to tell us to go to bed we were allowed to stay awake as long as we wanted (laughs) and me and my brothers would just sit down on eat and be like you can't tell us to go to bed you guys go to bed we're gonna stay awake all night and we would just watch doctor who till about midnight and then we'd pass out because we were kids then we'd get tired yeah (laughs) But yeah, that was my Eid in, right in England. When I moved to Saudi, my Eids were similar, but um, Eids in Saudi Arabia is so early. It's at like 6am in the morning. So oh yeah, it's early. We would wake up um, before Fajr, start getting ready before Fajr, pray Fajr like about five minutes before we leave the house. Um, leave the house and by the time we get there, sunrise is just gone. We would pray, we'd come home, do the whole Allah thing. Um, then we would have Eid breakfast. Eid breakfast was never as fun as Eid breakfast is in England. Eid breakfast in England is always much bigger and more fun than Saudi. I feel like um, that's just because no one can really be bothered in Saudi. The shop's like far and stuff. Yeah. So we always have like a smaller Eid breakfast. And there's no croissants, so it's just boring. You don't make your own? No, we don't. We buy them from the bakery. We don't know how to make croissants. 
I just recently learned my mom, she she always knew how to make them. I just recently, they take so long to make, but I feel like they're worth it. Oh, well, you've got to teach me. <laughs> yes, when you come visit, I'll teach you. Inshallah. And you know what I forgot to mention? What did you um, forget to mention? It just, it just left. Oh, oh, okay. Ramadan, we would have these big iftar parties, like iftar dinners for like every year. The last two years we didn't get to do it because of COVID, but every single year we would do it. And like everyone would be, in Michigan we did this, everyone would be looking forward to the Ramadan parties. And people keep on telling me, Rakaya, you didn't have the Ramadan party this, this year, last year, the year before that. It was like, it was because of COVID. But this year, inshallah. Inshallah. That reminds me as well. There's this auntie. Um, I don't know if I can say her name. I don't think she'll mind if I said her name, but I just won't anyway. But she wants to do this big Eid like breakfast party. And it was amazing. It was the most fun I've had uh, at like an Eid party. And all the years after, everyone was like, why aren't you throwing another one? She's like, I can't be bothered. I've got things to do. And we're like, oh, come on, please, do another one, do another one, because we all loved it so much, but she hasn't done another one since. Inshallah, <laughs> maybe she will, you know, maybe she will. Inshallah, maybe. But yeah. What about Eid al-Adhar? Um, oh, both of my Eids are practically the same. Really? By- yeah. oh, they're so different. How are they different? Eid al-Adhar. We go... To masjid in the morning, we know all the stuff in the beginning are the same, and then the Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, la ilaha illallah, all of that. We say that in the car, like you mentioned. Then yeah. we go to the masjid, we pray. After we pray at the masjid, we come home, like right away. We come home back. Then my mom, me, my grandma, also your grandma. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Both of our grandmas. Yeah. So we all start cooking in the kitchen, and then my brothers. And my dad, they go kill the lamb. In Guyana, it was a cow. But in Michigan, it's the lamb. I don't and think then... we've ever killed a lamb. Just really? like in England, it's just not that easy to get hold of one to kill. Oh, yeah. we have. You have to catch it. Every time they go, they have to like catch it themselves and stuff like that. That's so funny. I bet that's hilarious to watch. I never, I only ever got to go once. And the place that they went that one time, I didn't really like. Because there was so much blood everywhere. I was like, oh, okay. Never going back here again. (laughs) (laughs) But, so we go home and then we cook. And it takes so long to cook. It takes so long to cook. But it's worth it. Because the food is so good. So then when they come home with the lamb. We cook it, we cook some of it, we put some of it in the fridge, and then we pack out the like the set that goes to like the other people, you know? Yeah. And then, after we do that, I usually get a break from the kitchen, and we like probably go out, play soccer, play basketball, one of those things, and then my mom finishes up the cooking. Then, we eat, and the food, like, something about the food on eat is just amazing yeah exactly so then we go we get the food we i mean we eat the food then after we eat the food it's like we relax like in the house by ourselves watch movies we play 
we play board games, like all that stuff. Then the next day, we, what do we do? Oh, the next day, that's usually when we have like an Eid party. Like only on Eid al-Adha do we do this though. We don't do this on Eid al-Fitr, we do this on Eid al-Adha. Eid al-Fitr is for the, um, the, the, um, the amusement park. Eid al-Adha is for the Eid party. That's when we have the big Eid party at our house. Just like in Guyana, but it's never as like there's nothing that can match the ones that we had in Guyana because our house is big in Guyana, so like we could fit more people, and it was like the whole village coming <laughs> to our house. I love that, but in we still have them. They're just smaller, you know. What were you saying? In Riyadh, we would um have to rent out these places i can't exactly explain if anyone knows what a chalet is that's exactly what it is it's a chalet but in Riyadh we call them istirahas i don't know if you know what istirahas but we don't have these i'm gonna have to search it up yeah no search up a chalet because if you search up istiraha it probably won't come up but um yeah we'd have to rent these istirahas and we'd invite invite so many people um, usually close family friends and friends of friends and friends of friends and there'd just be a whole bunch of kids running around there'd be food everywhere there'd be aunties singing there'd be aunties dancing um what is it this one time these girls they're quite they're like maybe two three years older than me they're all sisters they're from oh my was it? i think algeria they taught me how to belly dance in the middle of the party and I was like all the aunties are surrounding them and clapping for them maybe <laughs> belly dancing like it's just such a vibe so many different like cultures and food of different cultures and people from different backgrounds and stuff like that I love that once on Eid um I forgot who's oh I was at my friend right she's Bengali and my and so my other friend she's Pakistani she was teaching she was teaching all of us how to belly dance too but that just reminded me of. That's so funny. Did did they have like the um? I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a string that goes around the waist and has coins on it. We did not have it, but <laughs> <laughs> we still had fun. But no, <laughs> yeah. Eid and weddings are like the best time. Like they have so much fun. They are. It's just like the vibes. Yes. They, they can't be matched any other time of the year yes i honestly i i feel like i'm always so happy on Eid. like i don't know even talking about it i'm just happy and i'm excited even though it's like in months i know far away i'm excited for it to come because that's like the best time of the year it really is it really is someone could punch me in the face and i'd still be happy if it was Eid. Yeah, nothing can ruin my vibe on Eid. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a bad Eid. Me neither. I've oh, had... one time we missed Eid Salah, and my brother was just upset the whole day. He ruined all of our mood because he was like, "Eid can't happen if we do not go to Eid Salah." And guess what? We didn't go Eid Salah, so Eid doesn't exist. Like, <laughs> yes, it does. We once miss eight love but then there's another masjid praying at nine so we went to that one and then that year i think that was i think i, might, I think that might have been this year if i'm not mistaken oh. that was this year yeah <laughs> everyone 
a lot of people miss Itzla because I guess we were so used to praying at home from yeah. quarantine. A lot of people missed it. So they all went to that masjid. And when I tell you, that masjid was packed. It was packed. People were praying in the hallways. Oh, damn. It was packed. A lot of people missed Itzla that day. I was shocked. Something like that happened in Riyadh, actually. The first Eid Salah we had going back um, out of lockdown, coming out of lockdown. Um, we didn't notice that the masjid we usually pray with was not praying, was not praying Eid Salah that Eid Salah, you know. So we went all the way to the location they usually pray at, which is like this massive open field. It's not a field because it's just sand. But it's like mm-hmm. this massive place. And there was no praying mats, nobody so we ended up having to do a U-turn and we we're just like speeding, trying to find a masjid that was open and alhamdulillah, there was a masjid really close that was praying mm-hmm. Eidzalah. And Eidzalah had, had literally started by the time my dad had parked the car. And we ended up praying on a roundabout because the um, whole masjid was full. The parking lot of the masjid was full with people praying. Um, the grass area outside of the masjid was full with people praying. And there was like this little island right next to the masjid. And we're like, let's just pray here. So we like followed the masjid salah and stuff like that. <laughs> but we were on a roundabout. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was so funny. Eid is like the best time, honestly. That's, <laughs> that's what everyone needs to take away from this. Eid is the best time of the year. Honestly, if you're not Muslim, I'm Muslim because you're missing out on Eid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we get to Christmas. Like, he's got it better here. Come on. Exactly. You guys get what we get too. <laughs> <laughs> what other memories do you have that, like, your best memories? And what other struggles have you gone through? Hmm. Good memories. <laughs> do I have any good memories? I'm actually thinking I can't think of anything right now um struggles I can't think of any struggles either (laughs) my mind's just gone blank mine has too I'm trying to think like I asked the question I can't be put on the spot oh let me think okay um good memory I think I've had loads of good memories. Most of them are age-based. Like this one time, a family came round. We just had a barbecue. I love barbecues. All barbecues are good memories for me. But my dad was barbecuing. Um, I was helping my mom in the kitchen making. It's always the dads and the older brothers barbecuing. I noticed that. Yeah. My dad loves to barbecue. My he dad and my brother. Do anything more than barbecue. That's what they like. <laughs> Sometimes he just barbecues for the sake of it. Like, there's no special occasion. He just feels like it. <laughs> and I don't mind because his food tastes good. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I feel like some of my best memories are probably just things that happened in school, things that happened with friends and family. Yeah. I don't have many bad memories, alhamdulillah. 
because my yeah. parents protected me from most of my bad memories. I feel like the same thing too, Alhamdulillah. What about, oh, pr- we forgot to talk about the main thing, prayer. Oh. Bro, have you ever prayed in a parking lot? <laughs> no. Wait. I have. Okay, no, I can't say no. I have. It okay. was actually kind of like yours. It was an Eid also. Oh, so yeah, it was a park. We were, uh, yeah, the issue, I mean, not the park, but like there was an issue with getting the park. So, and you know, like it's good to pray eats a lot outdoors. So we ended up yeah. praying in the parking lot. <laughs> That's why. But it was that. a long time ago. Like I was like, I want to say, I think I have quite often prayed in a parking lot like you know when Asa comes in and it's just like I can't delay it I've got to pray right now because you know you've got to be on a bus in five minutes or you've or maybe it's already really close to Maghrib and you've delayed as far as you can Mm -hmm. or whatever or maybe you just want to pray on time because it's good to pray on time and you go, you know what, I've got to pray. So you just go pull out the, like, handy pocket praying mat and pray in a parking lot. I've prayed in hallways at school. <laughs> I love that. I think the weirdest place I've prayed is a parking lot and then probably the park. What I'm about trying... you? What is the weird? I'm trying to think. Actually, I'm trying to think. Where is the weirdest place that I've prayed? Prayed in hallways, oh. many also, hallways throughout the years. Um, I oh, when we go on road trips, like not road trips, but like we're driving to like New York or another state, or driving to Canada, stuff like that. Prayed at rest stops. I've prayed in the oh. snow at a rest stop once. Oh, that must have been a terrible experience. Just it like wasn't that bad. Frostbite on your fingers. Oh, really? <laughs> wasn't that bad? It was cold. It was also there was a snowstorm. Oh but my it, gosh! It actually, alhamdulillah, wasn't that bad. No, and I then, hate the cold. I'm currently freezing. I don't know if you can hear me shivering, but it might I'm be the reason why my voice is like all shaky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cold right now too. When I'm cold, my fingers and toes, they turn yellow. So my fingers and toes are currently yellow. Mine turn gray. Really? Yeah. I feel like everyone, it just turns a different color for them. Yeah, probably. Because some people say they turn blue, and I'm just like, you turn blue? I turn yellow. I go yellow or pink, it depends. Like, if I'm exercising, then pink. If I'm cold but I'm doing nothing, then grey. I love that we just went from the colours of our fingers. <laughs> We're talking about Salah. Oh, yes. Let's continue talking about <laughs> Get back on topic. But wait, what was I even saying? Praying in the snow? Yeah, talking about praying in a snowstorm. Oh, yes. I prayed in a snowstorm. And I've prayed in a car many times. Me too. So many times. I feel like everyone has prayed in the car, though. Yeah. Prayed in a train once. That was a bit different. Oh, really? I've never prayed in a, I've never prayed in a train. Um, I think the most painful time I've prayed, I once prayed in a sandstorm. 
Just the sun getting in your eyes. Literally hurt. We're two polar opposites. I'm praying in the snowstorm. You're praying in a sandstorm. Because <laughs> we're on the different sides of the world. Yeah. Oh, oh. But I feel like it's so important to, like, remember to pray and, like, guard your salah because I feel like a lot of people, they, like, forget about it or they're like, oh, no, we could push it back until a certain time and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. I, I was um, literally... Wait, Continue. I was gonna say, um, I do get like that sometimes, like, oh, it's fine, I'll pray in five minutes, and then it's ten minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and like quite lately, I've been like that, actually, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be strong. I'm not. I'm gonna pray like twenty minutes within like the first twenty minutes that the salah comes in, because that's how they pray in Saudi. So I was like, I'm gonna do it like that, and um, I was trying my hardest, bro, and then I got sick. And it set me back so far because, like, I started combining my salas because, like, I literally could not even stand up. I was being three hours like mm-hmm. that. And then, um, <laughs> like, m- monthlies. <laughs> so that sets you back so much. It you does. Because you don't have to pray. So when you have to start praying again, you completely forget <laughs> to pray. Like, it's Fajr time, but you're not used to waking up with Fajr now. So it's just like, yeah, oh. That <laughs> confuses me so much. Because, like, I'm like, I don't know, it's like, I get in the habit of, like, praying every single day. And then, the moment it comes, I'm like, why? <laughs> why now? And I, I actually like waking up early in the morning for Fajr and all of that. Me too. I actually enjoy it. Especially because I've got like a class. Pardon, mm-hmm. I've got a class that starts thirty minutes after Fajr, so I have to wake up early. And when you don't wake up early, you have to pray Fajr. Like going to my class is not important enough to me to actually get me to wake up at five a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Whilst praying Fajr is important enough for me. So if I didn't have to get up to pray, I'm a hundred percent missing that class. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then also, I I was just talking about this today with that same girl that I was telling you about who inspired me to be more confident in my abayas and stuff like that. Same girl, yeah. we were talking about praying. A lot of people, they always like say, oh, um, like, I'll just combine my salah. It's like, it's okay, I'm at school. Or it's okay, I'm at work. And it's like, it's not okay because that's not an excuse. You have a lot of places these days, they have reflection rooms and um, they have reflection rooms. They have, they hold space for you to be able to practice your religion, all that stuff. And especially in America, this is literally one of our constitutional rights, freedom of religion. So no one, there's no excuse. If you're at work, you could tell your boss, I have to go pray. And they have to let you go pray by law. So if we're at school, same thing with your teacher. You could tell your teacher, I have to go pray. And they have to let you go pray by law. So I feel like there's no excuse to say, oh, I'm at school. Allah will understand. That's that's not how that works. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Like, even I understand, like, feeling awkward and stuff like that but at the end of the day 
you're gonna feel more awkward standing in front of a last saying that I knew I'm allowed to do something but I didn't do it anyway yeah exactly and that's just 10 times worse like unless you're traveling unless you're got any of the excuses that allow you to combine such as being traveling being sick etc yeah then you don't have an excuse to combine your salah and you need to pray your salah on time because it is so important and i don't think people notice how important it is because it brings you so much closer to allah when you prioritize him enough to take time out of your day to pray because praying your salah when it conveniences you isn't favorable to allah that's favorable to you yeah it's like you're putting your needs before what allah has told you to do and then also my friend she mentioned yesterday she was talking about how um a lot of people they think if they like let's say they said a bad word next day they're like oh i just said a bad word how am i gonna go pray after i said that or they're like oh i lied how am i supposed to go pray after i lied Bro, praying after is definitely the thing you need to do after lying or doing something wrong because you need something told us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people, I feel like they don't realize that they think, oh, my salah will not be accepted if I if I had just committed this sin. But Allah wants you to turn back to him. Exactly. Honestly, it's such a blessing in itself that we understand that because a lot of people, they don't understand that and then they don't turn back to Allah. And they just keep going further and further and further away. Yeah. And that's such a scary thing. And a situation I hope neither of us are ever in. That we feel that we have done so bad that we can't turn back to Allah. Because mm-hmm. at that point, Allah always wants us to turn back to him. At that point, it's just the shaitan whispering in your ears, telling you you can't go back. And I hope that none of us or anyone watching this podcast is ever like in that situation where we start to listen to what shaitan's telling us yeah exactly and then also um about uh, i forgot what i was gonna say it just left it was about something about praying i know that was if i can't remember okay oh i remember now okay so basically like when you're praying and all this stuff sometimes people are like oh they don't think they're in the right space to pray, like, make a good salah, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, yeah, pray and fully be present. But yeah, even if you're not fully present, at least you prayed. Exactly. And, like, I watched a video once. This lady was talking about how she does she prays but she doesn't feel like the strong spiritual connection with Allah okay it's good to feel that connection but if you don't feel that connection that doesn't mean you should stop praying because if you stop praying because you don't feel the connection then why are you praying because you like the connection or because you're supposed to be praying to Allah like if you're focused in your salah and you're making sure you're praying to Allah then it doesn't matter about the feeling you're praying to Allah and your salah is still going to be accepted as long as you're praying correctly. Yeah, and, and then even, um, it's like similar thing with the hijab, how people say, oh, I have to like 
fix all the bad things that I'm doing before I can put it on because I can't put it on and still not be perfect. But like no one's perfect. I wear the hijab and I still make sin. I commit sins every single day. I might not even realize I'm committing a sin. Exactly. Like I do loads of wrong, but I wear hijab because at least I'm not doing that wrong, you know. Try to yeah, do your exactly. best. Try to be better all the time. Because it's it's literally a journey. It's not something everyone's going to get right. If there were people who would get everything right and people who would get everything wrong, then there'd literally be no point in earth. There'd be no point in testing yeah, us because Allah already Allah knows who's doing right or wrong. You yeah, know? Allah has said, like, if we were a people who were perfect and we never sinned, he would replace us with sinners. Exactly. They're not supposed to be perfect, even the best people sin. The only person who didn't sin was the Prophet Muhammad. Like, everyone sins. And I feel like it's just a terrible excuse. And again, Shaitan whispering to people, telling them that they're not good enough to turn towards Allah, telling yeah. them that their sins make them too bad to do something good. It never makes you too bad to do something good. Always try to do good and do better because you taking that step to do better is what's going to make you more comfortable to stop doing the wrongs that you do. Mm-hmm, exactly. So when was your first time starting to like pray? Starting to pray? Um, I feel like that would be when I was about seven, eight years old. We started praying Salat al-Duha um, in... At school, that was when I went to Muslim private school, mm-hmm. and I'd pray sometimes at home with my parents, although they weren't really strict on it till I was about nine-ish. So I started praying every now and then when I was seven. I started praying more often when I was nine, but I fully started praying without my parents telling me when and stuff like that when I was eleven. Mm-hmm. Well, before that, I would miss it every now and then, or I wasn't strict on it. Like, I would go to sleep, and then I'd miss Asa, and I wouldn't be upset about it. Just be like, oh, well, I missed Asa, that's sad, you know? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't really care that much. It was only when I was 11 that I started caring about my solars and setting alarms to wake myself up in case I missed it, and, like, yeah. stuff like that, you know? Well, what um, about you? Well, for me, I think... Okay, so basically... Like, it's kind of like with my hijab, how I said wearing hijab. I always saw my mom and my aunts doing it. And, you know, they were, like, the main females of my life. And my aunts, my grandma, my mom, all that stuff. So, I wanted to be like them. Like, they were my greatest inspiration. They still are my greatest inspirations, you know? So, I wanted to be like them. So, whenever I see them praying, I literally, if I couldn't find a hijab to put on, I put a sheet around my head. And I would go... And I would join them, and I would pray. I I didn't even know how to make wudu. <laughs> I would just go. That's so cute. And connect their with theirs and pray. <laughs> and then, um, I remember when my mom she would pray. Um, um, what is that salat called? Um, when you pray in the morning before fajr, before last third fajr? of the night. In um, the last third of the night. What is it? The hajjud. Yes, Tahajjud. Once you would pray Tahajjud, and if I would wake up in the nighttime and I'd hear her praying, 
I would go and I would join her. Like when I was little, like three years old, four, I would go join her and slap and pray with her until she was done. Then when she would make dua, I would put my hands up like her and I would sit down and go and put my hands up like her. And then, you know, try to copy every word she was saying and try to listen to what she was saying and copy everything she said. That is so cute. That is so cute, Mashallah. I can imagine a little kid doing that. Like, I'm picturing you in my head right now when you're, like, a little kid. <laughs> oh, that's so adorable. I can't. That's so cute. And literally, I see videos like that all the time, and I was like, oh, that used to be, like, that used to be us. I don't think I ever did stuff like that when I was little. Like, I mean, you never know because I see, I literally see, because you, when you're a baby, sometimes you don't even remember. Because I see little babies going in the masjid sometimes and they start praying next to their moms. And I'm just like, they're like, when I tell you they're babies, they're just learn how to walk. They can't even go into sujood properly, <laughs> but they're doing it still. And I was like, your parents really do influence you. Like what you see, their, their actions is what you like reciprocate. I remember, like, when my dad would pray at home, because usually he went to the masjid every now and then he'd pray at home. I remember as a little kid praying with him. But I honestly don't remember any memories from before I was seven. Like, everything from before I was seven is, like, practically wiped out of my head. I don't remember anything. So I honestly can't say if I ever did stuff like that. I'd have to ask my mom. For me, I don't know. My mom says I have the memory of an elephant. Because I remember everything. I remember, I remember from when I was two years old, I had got went to the dentist for I don't know if it was the first time, but I remember I went to the dentist. <laughs> and then there was this dentist. Her name was um. I don't know. Do you call the dentist a doctor? Her name was basically her name was Sister Ali, right? The fact Ali, you still Ali, remember yeah. her name and your teeth. <laughs> Yeah, she. But I remember this memory because, like, it was so significant. I feel like, but oh, okay, Dalia, and then she was my dentist, and like that was the first time I ever seen like a person who looked like me wore hijab, wore like long clothes, wore was like a darker skin tone, like doing something like this, like dentistry. I was, you know, it was the first time seeing someone like who looked like me doing that and I was like you know what she inspired me I was like you know I want to be just like her when I grow up I want to be a dentist oh you wanted to be a dentist yeah when I was little I wanted to be a dentist for the longest time tell you all my science fair experiments were about teeth from (laughs) up until ninth grade but like now I kind of want to do something along the lines of dentistry it's not exactly dentistry but I want to be like a dietitian yeah which is like more like health and food and stuff. I mean, dentistry is like you're talking about teeth and what you eat and how it affects your teeth. But this like how the food affects your whole entire body, including your teeth. So I guess it still has something to do with teeth then. Yeah. <laughs> but I used to always want to be a dentist. I want to be just like her. I still want to be like her, but I just want to be like her in a different way. <laughs> no, I can relate to you with that because... The first time I ever met this lady, she's an influence now. She's written quite a few books. Her name, her name is Naima B. Roberts. Oh my gosh. 
Wait, do you know her? I I don't know her, but I've read her books. Which one? I can't even remember the name, but I know her name because I literally, my mom, she had this one book. I can't remember the name of it, but this one book that I read that she wrote. Oh my gosh, I it touched that that book made me cry. Oh. Like I love that book so much. And then my friend has the book now because she asked to borrow it the other day. But I care. I have to ask her the name of it. I'll tell you, but I just have to ask her. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, the first time I ever met her, I was, I think, maybe seven or eight years old. And she did an assembly at my school. And she was basically talking about books. And I was like, I didn't really take much notice of her then. But I did think it was pretty cool. She was a Muslim woman. She was wearing a massive abaya. And she was wearing a niqab. And she was talking about how she's written so many books. And I've always loved books. I've always loved reading. But I had never realised I liked writing then. And I don't know. I just thought she was really cool. I especially thought she was cool because she um, specifically asked my brother to like do a demonstration or something. And I was, like, obsessed with my brother. Like, he was, like, so cool to me when I was younger. I don't know why, but I thought my brothers were the coolest when I was younger. I don't think they're cool anymore. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, The second time I ever met her, she had come for my sister's wedding because her and my mum are pretty good friends. And I remember her, like, just, like, the conversations I had with her, I remember I thought she was just, like, really cool. Like, I always idolised her since I was very young. And recently I've, like, read some of her books and just, like, it just made me like her more more and more. And honestly, she's, like, probably the number one reason why I want to be a writer. Because mm-hmm. I feel like she writes to, like, us, like, young Muslim women and old Muslim women and just Muslim women in general. I haven't experienced that before like even when you do read books about Muslims it's just bad representation like all American Muslim girl I bought that book so excited to read about someone like me and it was just such a disappointment and it made me so sad but alhamdulillah she's like one of the authors that I found when I was quite young as well which makes me very happy she actually does good representation in her books. And I'm like so happy I got to meet her and stuff like that because I don't know if she inspires me. I don't think she knows she inspires me because I never told her. But she did inspire she does inspire me a lot. And I do and I always talk about it to people. I um, mean if I she to... listens to this, she'll know now. <laughs> yeah, she'll find out. <laughs> she'll know she's got like a little fan. She like never told her she's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I want I specifically I want to be that person to other people, the person who like people people can be like, Wow, I think she's really cool. I wanna be like her, I wanna do like do like her. Like your sister what was her name again? Sister Alia. Yeah. And my um I call her Auntie Tando. My Auntie Tando. Um yeah, I want to be someone like that to other little girls. When I'm old, I want to influence people. That's what I want to be like, too, honestly. That's my dream. That's my goal. And then also, there's this one. Your story reminded me of something. There's this um one um sister. Her name is um 
Balkis, I don't know, I can't remember her last name. I think it was Abdul something, but Balkis. She was the first um, hijabi basketball player. Do you know her? Oh, no, I don't know her, but that's really cool. But, like, I, I don't know. She had a lot of interviews, all that stuff. Like, she went up against the um, National Women's Basketball Association so they could approve the hijab because she wasn't allowed to join the national team because hijabs were not allowed. As That's such a dumb rule. What about freedom of religion? Yeah, that Come didn't on. make any sense. So yeah. she went up against them and all that stuff. And then I ended up meeting her in when I was in seventh grade around the same time when I was telling you about the whole... um, No, I was... Yeah, I was in seventh going on to eighth. Around the same time I said we're like, I buy us a lot. Yeah. And then... I was at my school. No one ever gives salam. A lot of them are Muslim, but no one ever gives salam. Yeah. And then she was walking into the like the office. She came into my school. She was actually gonna um give a speech at the sister school to my school, and she came to pick up something from my school. So anyway, she's at my school. I yeah. seen these posters of her all over the school, but I for some reason like that moment when I met her didn't click. She came up to me. She gave me salam. And she asked me where the office was and all that stuff. And then, like, when she gave me salam, I was like, wait, did she just give me salam? Like, no one at my school gives me salam. <laughs> so I was so, like, shocked. And That's then she was, so great. Like, she was, like, so kind and humble and all this stuff. I didn't even know who she was. <laughs> she was so kind. She was so nice. She was so sweet. And then, like, Afterwards, I saw her face on this poster. Like, after she had just left, I saw her face on this poster in the hallway. And I was like, wait, isn't that the girl I just saw, like, two seconds ago? And then I was like, wait, who is she even? Like, I didn't know who she was. (laughs) It sounds so, like, bad. I didn't know who she was at the time. I was like, who is she even? Like, I see her face on all these posters. And then I, I, went, I searched up her name, like, at home. And then I was like, this is who she is? I was like, wait. It, well, I was so shocked because, like, I knew her story. And I liked, like, I liked her story a lot because I was like, oh, like, she fought for women to wear the hijab and play sports and all that stuff like that. And I thought that was so cool because, you know, I feel like there's so much hijab negativity in the world. And, like, she fought against that. And she put her religion before playing mm-hmm. like she could have easily went and took off her jab and joined the national basketball team but she put her religion before that you know i love that and she also paved the way for other girls who want to play basketball in a big yes. like her. and then i had i did not realize and then i realized afterwards and i was like i met this girl who did all of this and then she was another one of the reasons why i got more confident in my wearing abayas and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i was like if she could go up against a whole national association for the right to wear her hijab then i can walk in a school full of kids who are still going through puberty and wear my yeah. abaya you know exactly I feel like some people inspire us and they don't even notice. Yeah. I don't even think she remembers who I am because 
it wasn't I don't think it was a significant moment to her as it was to me <laughs> no it probably won't be I'm sure she's had like loads of crazy moments she's famous <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, yeah like I think what um you should tell me the name her name because I've gotten into basketball recently. I should I need to check on Instagram. I know I follow her on Instagram. Yeah, you um, should send it to me after we finish recording. I will. Because she's well, she's a great thing. person. Yeah, I'll send it to you. She does so many lectures and stuff now. And I'm always watching them. They're so good. Like I'm like, my shot love. May Allah reward her. I mean. Um, but I feel like like when we see people who look like us and people who represent us and stuff, we just just I don't so know special. We, yeah because when you don't see people who look like you often being pushed in the media or like being just seen you know mm-hmm. it makes you feel like Oh, no one really cares about me. Like, no one looks like me. I'm the odd one out. Yeah, exactly. You really feel left out. Yeah, you feel... People showcase Mr. Lemon. It's just like, wow, she's so cool. She's like me. Yeah, you just feel so included and, like, you fit in. Yeah. Well, thank you for being in this episode of Breaking Barriers. My name is... <laughs> I cut you off, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. My name is Rakaya Wrights. Thank you for watching this episode of Breaking Barriers, and I can't wait to keep the conversation going. <laughs>